Kai Kamara has a new home, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic just might also have a new home in America. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Skolarsep coming to you. It is Friday, and what a crazy week it's been. We just had a show on Tuesday, but already in just two days, in the two or three days since we had our last show, so much craziness has gone on. So we have we have much to talk about here. And Paul Tenorio is with us once again. Paul, how are you doing? I'm well, man. TGIF, you know, which means, you know what that means for us, right? It means the work week is just kicking up a notch, not going down. It's crazy. Friday Friday's usually kind of mellow. Uh, today's nuts. Friday is, this Friday is insane with, uh, as if the Kamara trade, uh, you know, what didn't give us enough to talk about. Now this Zlatan rumor is gaining steam and blowing up. And uh, my son hasn't even come back from school yet, and, and he, he hasn't heard, but my oldest son is a... Zlatan, a big time Zlatan fan, so he's gonna go nuts. I don't know. I don't know. If I, I don't know when I'm gonna tell him, but he's he's gonna want us to move to LA. I think. At yeah, this you're gonna have to move to the West Coast, man. Apparently, apparently. But uh, but yeah, we so we, we we'll talk about both of those things. We'll 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 circle back on the midweek MLS action. We'll get into the weekend preview as as always. But first, we have we obviously have to start off with the trade that a week ago no one could have uh, could have imagined. And now it has happened. Kai Kamara has is gone from the Columbus Crew, traded to the New England Revolution, uh, in a blockbuster. Uh, just days after the whole penalty kick uh, fiasco with Federico Iguain and and with him bashing Iguain, Greg Berhalter he meant business. He he wasn't playing around. He trades Kamara, sends him to New England. A uh, bit of a shocker. What what did you think when you heard the news that he was going down? That he was getting traded? Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, it was a shock, right? It was a shock that the the trade's happening just because of what Kai did last year, what he's shown he's capable of doing in this league. It's never, I don't think you could ever expect that a guy with 22 goals is gone, you know, a third of the way through the next season. Um, But to me, the bigger surprise was the team that ended up dealing for him. You know, I, I think New England, they certainly need goals, right? The goals haven't come this year. But they've got a ton of forwards on the roster, and Juan Agudelo looked like he was finally starting to get into a big bit of a rhythm. And I thought if they were going to spend anywhere, it was going to be on the defensive end where they need a ton of help. Uh, so maybe that end of it surprised me a little bit. But you know, when all of this started going down, I I, I felt from the the jump when Greg Berhalter basically made his first public comment the day after the PK, I'm like, Kai's gone. There's no way that this guy lasts. Yeah, no, I mean, he started, Berhalter definitely started to give it away at that point. Uh, it's funny because, you no, know, as far as New England goes, I think everyone wrote a piece. I think we all probably, both of us, I don't, I don't know about you, I think we both did write pieces about where Kai could go, Kai Kamar could go. And I remember when I was writing the piece, I actually thought of New England, but then I thought, I said, you know what, they do, they have Agadello and they have Charlie Davies. Do they really need that? They need both those guys uh, along with Kai Kamara and then, so I didn't I didn't include them on my list, but now they have them, and they already had a ton of attacking pieces. Uh, how do they make them all fit? Is this the last deal they're going to make? And you have to wonder uh, how the how the guys that are already there feel about the deal. And I, I mean, on one hand, I'm sure a lot of guys are happy. I know I'm sure Till Bumber is happy. I'm sure the midfield in general is happy because you know they they have a new target, a new top of the line target to, to go at. To send their their passes to, but if you're if you're Charlie Davies and Juan Agudelo, uh, I don't know how happy you are with this deal when you think about it in the big picture because it was already a little crowded there with those two. Now you have Kamara. How do you fit all that in there? So I wonder. I wonder. What, I wonder if New England might not end up regretting this before long. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, all of that factors in. I mean, even even little stuff like, you know, how long did it take Lee Wynn to get a new deal with the Revs, you know? And then they go and trade for a guy making a million a year out of the blue. Um, I think all of those things, you know, that always factors into deals. And it's something that Jay Heaps is going to have to manage. And, you know, I think his work in the locker room, his ability to communicate and manage the individual personalities within this team is going to be as important as the way Kai Kamara fits on the field with the the style of play that the Revs like to uh, to use, which is a lot of crosses and um, you know play that will accentuate Kai's strengths. But that off the field stuff is going to factor in for sure. What's the, well, that's another thing. I mean, I I, I wrote about this uh, today. Uh, the crew is obviously better, they, built more toward Kai Kamara than New England is. I mean, New England. New England's guys are more going at people. You have Fagundes, you have Bunbury. They're not really guys who are necessarily going to send in perfect service. Chris Tierney will get up and down and provide some service, but that he's really it of as far as guys who are going to send in consistent crosses. And and you wonder, Kai Kamara had so many issues with Higuain uh, because they couldn't seem to connect. How are he and Lee Wynn going to connect? So that, that there's a lot going on here. And, and and back to your point about contracts, Charlie Davis, his deal is up at the end of this year. If you're Charlie Davis now, I mean, you're looking at this like, all right, I'm gone after this year. So how does that, how does he take that? How, how does that impact him? And the one thing I definitely wonder about, and we talked about it the last show, is the fact that, at least in my opinion, the the revolution, their locker room, they, they need a leader. They don't really have kind of that obvious like uh, alpha male leader in the locker room. And you wonder, is Kai Kamara going to be that guy? Does Jay Heaps think he can be that guy? And if he isn't that guy, then it, it could lead to a bit of a messy situation. We know Kamara wants to be kind of the guy. He, you know, he, and I wonder that's where maybe him and Higuain bump heads a bit. But uh, if Kamara can't handle that leadership role, things could kind of get messy in that locker room. And I think early on, at least, it'll be, it'll, things will go well. It'll be a happy-go-lucky time. Kamar's going to be on his best behavior. Uh, it's a fun-loving bunch in that New England locker room, I tell you. I mean, I've been around those guys, and, and it's a good group of guys in terms of personalities. But Jermaine Jones was definitely the missing piece to that puzzle in terms of being that no-nonsense guy who, when it came down to business, he could lead the troops. Uh, I don't know if Kamar's that guy, and if he's not that guy, uh, things could definitely uh, turn a little ugly there in New England. And I think it's a real gamble to count on Kai Kamara being that guy. Right. Well, and again, we don't know if that's the case, or maybe Jay Heaps just thinks that uh, he can manage. He can manage Kamara, and he obviously managed Jermaine's Jones well when he was there. Um, so we'll see if they can ma- pull that off. Speaking of temperamental forwards who could be potentially difficult to manage, we have to talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. The rumors are blowing up all over the place. As as mo- as some of you may know uh, by now, most of you probably know by now. He will not be returning to Paris Saint-Germain. He's done after this season. Uh, and most people thought he would stay in Europe and go to a big club. But now the latest reports are that he's in talks with MLS and specifically the LA Galaxy about coming here. Now, when I heard this at the time, yesterday, the first the initial reports out of Italy, I thought I thought to myself, really? Like, they, you know, they already have the DPs. Uh, how do they make it work? But now we're starting to get more details. And, and the more and more you look at it, the more you realize that this could absolutely, absolutely happen. I think it's I think it's going to happen. I think once you start to see legs to a rumor like this, where multiple sources are talking, multiple outlets are putting it out there that this is in the works or, you know, at least in the in the stages of, of the of talking, uh, that there's enough to make it happen, that, that enough people want it out there to get the momentum going. And the interesting part is going to be how they make it happen. And 
You know, I always laugh when, when people from around the rest of MLS fans complain about, you know, all the LA Galaxy operate under another set of rules. Come on, like, I get it. Targeted allocation money coming in midway through last year is probably the worst and lone example of that really, really recently coming to be. But if the Galaxy find a way to clear Keane and Gerard off of their books as DPs and they sign Ibrahimovic, what, what's so wrong with that? You know, what what's... What's so against the rest of MLS that they can't find ways to do that other than the fact that they're not L.A. and people don't want to go there? You know, Zlatan wants to go to L.A. If, if Keane's uh, contract's up at the end of the year and Gerard's definitely gone at the end of the year, you sign Zlatan this summer, you send him on loan the way Orlando said he did with Kaká for half the year, and you bring him back in January when you have a DP slot open, there's no rules being broken there. And it's a way to make it all work. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens. I don't know if Robbie Keane's ready to be done, but certainly I think that that's the way that this deal would have to get done. Right, right. Well, that, there's a, another thing to consider is the idea that maybe MLS come 2017 goes to four designated players, and I don't and I don't think that there is no rule that that limits the number of designated players. They can go up for sure. It's up to the owners to approve that, and if there is a sense around the league that more enough owners are ready to make that move, that that's entirely possible. And I think with each the more new owners come in, uh, you get a sense that the owners that have been coming in are, are, are progressive owners. They have they have the money. They understand uh, the business side of things and why it's important to have those superstar players. So I think we could definitely see four DPS next year. Uh, and and it, I agree with you in the sense that they, there's always the confusion in that. These things are happening because of L.A., but it's not that they're happening because of L.A. They're happening because the league is growing, and L.A. happens to be on the forefront of benefiting from that growth. And it's just it, – it's a combination of things. It's, one, they're in the biggest market. Two, they have the smartest uh, leadership, and they have ownership willing to spend. They have the perfect combination uh, to build uh, uh, and and make take full advantage of these kind of rules. And uh, something that came to mind today as I started reading all the stories, uh, the reports, is that – and it kind of you have this epiphany is that LA LAFC is coming. LAFC is a couple years away, and if you're the Galaxy, you need to be you need to go big. You need to go big now. You need to maintain your hold on that city, uh, and you need to find a superstar that really helps you do that. And if they didn't, if they stand pat with what they have now, I mean, there's no guarantee what they're going to have in 2018 when when LAFC gets here. So. Then it, looking at it, looking at it from that perspective, you understand why they look. They're looking ahead, and they have this chance maybe to bring in a superstar like Zlatan and have him be there to challenge LAFC when LAFC gets here. Because I can tell you right now, LAFC is going to have whatever number of DPS teams are allowed. LAFC is going to have the full allotment, and they're going to have some huge names that, with the ownership group that they have there, the money they have, they're going to go big when they start off. If you're the Galaxy, you have to you have to you know preemptively match that. And I think that's what this is about. I think this is at least they're going to try to make it happen. Uh, and it's, it doesn't sound like it's done yet, but at, when you look at it that way, you understand why LA wants to do that, why LA needs to do that. So we'll see. We'll see if they get it done. And by the way, if speaking to that point about LA and its perfect storm and talking about why do you think LAFC exists? Why do you think MLS wants two teams in LA and two teams in New York and a team in Miami? Because those are markets where players around the world want to come play. And if you can get the right ownership in those cities that's willing to spend money, like NYCFC, like LA Galaxy, like Orlando City, like Miami would be with Beckham, then you're able to bring in the biggest stars in the world. And they're going to want to come play in MLS because they want to live in LA, they want to live in New York, they want to live in Miami. 
And it's that simple. And I agree. I think L.A. is just their, their front office is very smart, the Galaxy. And I, I think they'll find a way to get this done. I even think there's a way you can get it done where you go renegotiate Robbie Keane's deal and you front load the money on the back end of this season and have him take a pay cut next year as a part of that exchange and buy him down with targeted allocation money. There is a lot of ways to make this work. Uh, it's just about finagling the paperwork and and or uh, the the perfectly timed retirements. Right, and and so my thing, you and you mentioned this before, just talking about fans and I, and it's a, it's natural, especially when you're from you're talking about fans from small markets or fans who uh, of teams who aren't historical spenders, big spenders. You understand why there's some kind of frustration, and and for me, I, the way I look at it is. I think the frustration is a little misdirected, mis- misguided. Don't be mad at the galaxy. Uh, and it's like the old saying goes, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Don't hate the galaxy. If you want to hate somebody, hate, be mad at your team. Be mad at your team for not uh, going out and making making the full use of the system that's in place. Uh, and look, not everybody can be the galaxy. Not everybody can be NYCFC or, 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 or be in those markets um, but you could, you, there's still ways to build yourself a winning team. I mean, look at the Timbers, Portland Timbers. They don't have it. They don't have any super. They didn't have any superstar players when they won. They won that championship last year, but they had a very, very strong team. They had the money evenly spread out. They had some quality from in from abroad and locally, uh, domestically. So it, you know, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think the big spending, uh, the superstar players going to the big cities necessarily means that. They're gonna they're gonna be the only ones that can win. Your teams can win, but every team can win if their owners, a if their owners are smart, and b if the if their management is smart. So we'll see if these other teams can kind of pick up the slack and not let it become a thing where where MLS turns into like some other leagues where it's like the top three, top four, and then everyone else. So uh, I, I don't think we're in danger of seeing that in MLS just yet. So I don't think anyone should go panicking. Stop! I don't think anyone should be mad at, at at the Galaxy. Start looking at your team. Start asking questions of your team and what they're doing to make the most of these rules. No doubt. If Leicester City can do it in a non-salary cap league, if they can go find the players that bargain deals and, and put a team together that can win the English Premier League, then Columbus can do it and Portland can do it and all the smaller market teams can do it. The, the key is going to be teams starting to really invest you know, whatever limited resources they have on the scouting side of things and trying to go and find those players that you, you're signing at uh, more realistic money levels uh, that don't hit this lot time scale but can win you games in this league. Absolutely. And not only that, I feel like MLS is gaining in terms of reputation around the world. So it's actually becoming easier to sign players now uh, internationally. I feel like that it's more it's become more of an appealing destination for a broader range of players. So if anything, teams now, MLS teams now, when they go out looking for players, it should be easier to find players because more and more of them know what MLS is about. They understand that it's a growing league. They, they, A lot of them get, actually can watch MLS now because you're seeing all the international TV deals everywhere. So uh, there's really no excuse. There's no excuse. And, and look, I, obviously it would be great if everybody could have a Zlatan type player. We know that's not reality, but I feel like that's going to open the door. When you have those big teams – that's actually opening the door and creating more revenue for all the teams in the league. And I don't, I don't think people look at that enough. And uh, you know what? Maybe we'll see that in the coming years as more teams benefit from that. And, and we'll see progress across the board. But that, that could take a little bit of time. But Zlatan Ibrahimovic, man, that, that's, if it happens. Again, it hasn't happened yet. It's not a guarantee that it'll happen. I, I, initially, I thought 
like I have thought for years when you see these things, it's a bargaining ploy by the agent, right? His agent wants to get the most out of Man United, so he throws MLS in there because people know MLS spends money, and it's it's usually that. So we'll see. And who knows? Maybe it comes down to what happens this weekend in England. If Man United uh, finishes in fourth place and they go to the Champions League, all of a sudden, if you're Zlatan, you probably go to you probably go to Man United. So that it could be as simple as that. So we could see what happens uh, with that, and, and hopefully we get an answer on that pretty soon. Um, but getting away from the big names and the big forwards that that could or may or may not come, we have to talk about. The midweek action, we had, we had a, a pretty good slate of games in MLS in the middle of the week. I, I was at one of those games. I was in Philadelphia for the Union against the LA Galaxy. A very good game. Philly uh, managed a 2-2 tie against a tired LA team, but still dangerous LA team. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Paul, what did you think of that result, and what did you think of that match? Yeah, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a, a fairly fair result. I don't know. I, LA is a better team than Philly. Philly was at home. They got a couple chances. They put them away. Um, and, and I, you know, that's MLS right there for you. It's it's so hard. We talked about this earlier this week. It's so hard to go on the road and win games. And you see that with, with a result like this. You know on paper, you know on the field, you're seeing it with your eyes that L.A. right now is a better team than Philadelphia. And yet Philadelphia gets a result at home. And I think that, to me, speaks to how tough it is in this league to get on a plane go all the way across the country for a midweek game and get three points. It, it just doesn't happen very often. I mean, it was, it, to be fair to L.A., they were on short rest. They played on Sunday, right? So that so I, I will give I will give them that. And uh, Bruce Arena w- uh, did make a point to bring that up in the fact that it was a tired team, even though they had six starters, six new starters on Wednesday than Sunday. But I, for me, I, I don't want to take anything away from the, from the union because I'll tell you what, if you watch that game, say what you want. LA could be, they could have been tired. They probably were, they probably were tired uh, from the travel and the short rest, but they're still a great team. It's still a dangerous team. And we saw in the goals that they did score, how good they are. They still were that night. They still could have caused problems. They did cause problems. When Mike McGee makes two to one, it looks like a blowout's about to happen there because they scored right out of the gate, started the second half. And, and you wonder how Philly's going to respond. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm muted. Uh, you, you wonder how Philly's going to respond to that. Uh, and, and they responded well. They responded well. They, they came back. Uh, and they had more than a few chances. I think they had like 20-something shots to LA's four shots. It, it was a very crazy dis, uh, disparate uh, goal uh, shots total. But LA overall, I, I think they, impre- they impressed me. And I know I'm high on, on Philly a lot. But that game, maybe more than any of the others that they've had this year, really showed me something. I mean, you're talking about a team with two rookies in their starting defense. Two rookies in their starting defense going up against Robbie Keane, Gio Dos Santos, Jossie Zardes, Mike McGee, all those guys, and they held up pretty well. And uh, now they go on to Montreal in a battle for first place, which we'll get into later. But uh, I got to say, I was pretty impressed by that one. Uh, just, I think it sends a message to everyone that maybe this Philly team is is pretty legit. Um, another game, Phil, uh, FC Dallas snaps their losing streak, three-game losing streak, beats the Portland Timbers 2-1. to one. Uh, in the Timbers, man, they're, they're, they're on a bit of a rut now. They're on a bit of a slide. It's obviously not panic time there because anytime they get a little panic, all they got to do is look at that MLS Cup and they'll be okay. But uh, what what did you think of SC Dallas finally breaking out of this funk that they've been in? Yeah, I mean, it was so important for them to go and get that result. They They needed it, I thought, probably more than anybody in the league 
maybe outside of sport sporting Kansas City needed a result. And even then, you know, SKC uh, going on the road to Colorado, they left some starters at home. You know, there's more excuses there. This was really important for Dallas. They hadn't been scoring goals. They hadn't looked good. You know, it was like, is this, you know, I thought this game was kind of a, can we call this a real problem? Or is it just one of those MLS ruts? And I, I think I think this result showed that it was, you know, it was just one of those ruts. And I think that uh, when you start getting some guys scoring goals that, you know, maybe aren't usually your go-to goal scorers, like Ryan Hollingshead, then and Walker Zimmerman, I think that's a good sign that you know the team's coming around, they're finding a way to win, and they're going to be okay. Yeah, they, they, I think they will be. They, they're too good a team uh, to to stay down for too long. But and again, they're, as much experience as they gained last year with the playoffs and everything, they're still a bit of a young team, so they're going to have these these ruts. And and in MLS, everybody has slumps, whether you're a better team or a young team. So I think they'll be okay, and I'm sure the Timbers. I think the Timbers will be okay as well. Uh, although if you're Caleb Porter, man, you're, you're starting to get a little, uh, knowing how he is, I'm sure he's not taking it too lightly. The, 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 the inconsistency that he still is continuing to see from his team. Uh, speaking of a team that's very consistent now, that's the Colorado Rapids. Uh, they are continuing to roll. They're leading MLS right now, best record in the league. And they posted a, a victory against Sporting Kansas City, uh, are you a believer yet on this Colorado train? Are you are you are you, are you buying the hype now? That in the honest, I don't even, I don't hear much hype, but are you starting to buy into the idea that the Rapids are the best team or one of the best teams in MLS? Absolutely, absolutely, I'm buying in. I mean, go look at go look at who they've played this year. You know, they're not beating like the scrubs of MLS. You know, this is a team that that has gone and taken on uh, everyone who's come in front of them, and and they've put together strong performances. I mean, they beat L.A., they beat Toronto, they beat Sporting Kansas City twice now, they beat the Red Bulls, they beat Seattle, they beat Real Salt Lake, which is having, who's having a good year. I mean, what more do you want from a team? And, and I thought it, was, it showed a lot to, obviously, this SKC team looks like they're in a lot of trouble right now, and they didn't even bring some starters. Matt Beasler was on the bench. The issues are, are numerous there. But, you know, a red card happens, and... Colorado it, it like tasted the blood in the water and it went for it and they got the goal they got the result did they deserve it maybe not maybe they weren't the like by far the better team but they saw that the result was there for the taking and they went and got three points and that to me says yeah we're a legitimately good team uh I think they're going to be around all season long Ivis no I agree man I agree good teams find a way to win even when they don't play well and uh they find a way to win ugly uh and I think the Rapids are are showing that that it doesn't matter the kind of game they can find a way to get uh, get a win out of it. Uh, moving on to Vancouver, Vancouver Whitecaps defeated the Chicago Fire, and uh, Blas Perez, man, he uh, he turned back the clock a little bit. He still shows that he still has magic in those boots, hitting the bicycle kick to defeat the Fire. Uh, the Whitecaps are you know, trying to get out of this slump here. What, what do you think? What do you think of what you saw out of those guys? I thought they were lucky. <laughs> I do. I think they were really lucky. They they got bossed at home the entire second half against Chicago. And there's no there's nothing else to say besides that. I mean, it was, for me, one of the best halves of soccer I've seen from the fire all season long. And I've watched every game. And uh, they were the better team in the second half. And they deserved three points. And they got zero out of it. And, and you tip your cap because it took some magic to make that happen. But what a goal from Blas Perez. And 
Uh, there's nothing more you can say except for that. They, they again, a, another example where the fire didn't punish Vancouver, despite the fact that they were dominating. The result was still there for the taking, and they found a way to take it. And, you know, tough, tough, tough break for the fire. It's going to be really hard for them to swallow that and be able to move on against Kai Kamara and New England on Saturday. But, uh, you know, I, I thought Vancouver was fortunate to ha- get three points out of this game. I thought the fire played well. I don't know if they dominated that game. I mean, I think I think they had good. No, spells. not the game, not the game. The second half, the first half was Vancouver. Just, but I just thought the second half they took over the game. Right, right. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, you got to at certain points you have to test, be able to test the goalkeeper, and, and I think that 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 is continues to be an issue for Chicago. Just ma- just putting together legitimate scoring chances. Uh, it's not enough to have the ball. Uh, I keep the ball. You got to be able to test the goalkeeper, especially a keeper like David Osted. Uh, if you don't put a lot of shots on him, it's going to be pretty tough to to break through. They did get a goal, uh, but they didn't build on that momentum. They didn't build on when they got that goal. That's that's when you got to take advantage. And, and I just don't think we saw that from them. And now they're they're they're, consi- they're on the road. They're starting to see the pack in the East get away from them a little bit. So I, I mean, I I don't know if they're necessarily going to be panicking just yet, but. Uh, they need some points pretty soon because the other teams in the East are going to start to climb further and further away. I mean, as it stands right now, the Fire are three points out of the playoff places. They have a couple games in hand. Let's not forget that. But uh, if they don't get a couple points here in the next couple of games, uh, things could start uh, getting ugly for them pretty quickly. Uh, Moving on, the last game of the weekend, I mean, of the midweek games, the Wednesday night game, San Jose defeating the Houston Dynamo. Uh, the, I tell you what, earthquakes at home—they—they're just tough to deal with, and we—and we already know about Houston and their problems. But still, it's still impressive to see the earthquakes continuing to rack up the points at home. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think uh, this is more of an example of um, one team just being better than the other. I think Houston's issues are um, bigger, bigger and bigger every game. I think that this is a team that that. I don't know what they need exactly because there's a number of things you could say that they need. I thought, by the way, I thought Houston was one of the teams that would have been a good fit for Kai Kamara. Um, You know, so I I think that, you know, San Jose is clearly another team that I didn't expect to be where it is right now. That's, you know, doing what Dom Kinnear teams do. They're winning games that they should win and they're making things tough on games where they might be the underdog. And here's an example. This is a game you look at. You say, San Jose, home against Houston. We should win this game. And it's uh, an emphatic 3-1 victory. So, uh, you know, credit to the, to the Quakes for, for continuing to, to show that they're a strength this season in a very, very difficult conference. Right. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm surprised about San Jose. Uh, just, just for the, the fact that they, they came very close last year. And last year was Don Kinnear's first year there. Uh, and and it's easy to forget they were right in the playoff picture until the very end of the season last season. So you figured you give Kinnear another off season, another preseason to continuing to build his project, and that they would take another step forward. And at this point, it seems like they are taking that step forward. Uh, right now, they're currently in fourth place. But as long as they as, as long as they keep on uh, getting the results at home, uh, they're going to stay right in that picture. I mean, it's crazy when you think about the West standings. When you look at the West standings right now. Portland, Seattle, and KC are currently out of playoffs positions right now. I mean, it just shows you how topsy how topsy turvy the year's been. Uh, obviously, Colorado's a huge surprise. Real Salt Lake is still in playoff position. They're, they're still a bit of a, a surprise at this point. And Vancouver is starting to kind of wake back up now and climb back in. They're currently in sixth place. So, 
Uh, it's still wide open though. It's it's a, we're only a quarter of the way through the season, so there's a lot there's a lot left to uh, happen, a lot of games left to go. Uh, and now we gotta get into the weekend action. Uh, full slate of matches this weekend, uh, starting on Friday night. Uh, the Atlantic the Atlantic was it Atlantic Cup Derby? I call it the I ninety five. Although there are a bunch of I ninety five derbies now, but the original DC United New York Red Bulls. Uh, it doesn't have the buzz of past years. Because uh, neither team is really killing it, but it's still a, a rivalry in terms of history. These teams don't like each other. Uh, what do you see in this one? Do you think? I mean, do you, do you still do you still look look forward to this matchup, even though it's uh, not as maybe appealing as in years past? Yeah, I mean, I look forward to it because you know the history and you know these franchises don't like each other, and usually something happens in one of these games over the course of the year. But it definitely doesn't have the cachet that it's had. In the past, and I think it. I think I saw a stat. I don't think DC United they lost to the Red Bulls four times last year and didn't score a goal in those four games. So you certainly hope that you get a little bit more competitiveness in this rivalry than that than last year. Um, but this is an interesting game because I feel like look, these are two teams that are tied on points right now. Both have played ten games. Both have ten points, and yet the the narrative around each team would feel so different to, to most MLS fans. You, you'd expect. New York Red Bulls to be considered a heavy favorite in this game. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Now, they're trending up for sure. But I wouldn't say D.C. United is necessarily trending down at this point. So I'm interested to see what happens if D.C. United can hang in this game or if there's some real truth behind those biases of what the Red Bulls did last year and that they're going to break out for a big win. I don't, I don't know if it's just about last year, though. i got to tell you. And, and it is interesting how how... how rivalries go and how swings go in rivalries because dc united dominated this rivalry for a long time and i can tell you i watched i sat there for a lot of the games both at rfk and at and here in new jersey uh and, and dc ran things for a long time now the last couple of years it turned around and ter- the, the Thierry Henry era def- Thierry Henry era definitely helped uh helped the red bulls kind of claim control of this series now this year going into this game I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Red Bulls are the favorite, even though they're on the road, because they, they have started to really show a lot in recent weeks. Uh, and I know the Orlando game was whatever. It, it wasn't, it, you know, it was on the road. It was a point. It, they didn't really crush it. But I think we've seen a lot more signs out of them uh, lately than we have out of D.C. And I know D.C. has had a couple of big wins. But I think, I just think, in, watching them last week against NYCFC, they looked, they looked terrible. They looked completely anemic. The attack was invisible, uh, and you know they go. The Red Bulls are, are going to present a, a completely different challenge for them. I, I like the Red Bulls in this one, man. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna walk in this one, and hopefully it's a it's a competitive game. Hopefully it goes back and forth. But I really think the Red Bulls get they they don't fear RFK anymore. And I can tell you, there was definitely a time when Red Bulls teams went to RFK and and didn't weren't. We're unsure about getting a result, but this group of guys, even though it's it's different even from last year, I feel like this group go, is going to RFK feeling good about going there because they've had a lot of success there in recent years. So I think I'm going to go Red Bulls in that one. Uh, but it should be a good one. It should be a good Friday night uh, matchup. Uh, if there's a game of the week, it might be in Montreal. Montreal, uh, Montreal Impact against the Philadelphia Union. Battle for first place. Now, how, how weird does that sound to hear Union versus Impact 
for first place in the East. What, 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 <laughs> how, do, how does that sound? And what do you think about the matchup? Imagine trying to sell yourself on that like two years ago. Uh, yeah. No way, right? No way you buy that, that that's the case. No, it's crazy, man. This MLS, right? I, I think, you know, for me, I've seen Philly play maybe a little less than I've seen Montreal play. I think they're both two quality sides. I really like Montreal a lot. I think that um, for me, they're a team that is going to play deep into the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure that Philly will be that team just because of, of a matter of experience. Like I think Montreal's experience last year in the playoffs will help them going forward this year. I think Philadelphia still needs to go through that. But I think this should be a pretty good matchup. I'm intrigued to see the way that this midfield matches up because Philly plays with those two deep defensive midfielders. And obviously, Piatti is the guy who pulls a lot of the strings for Montreal. And so that, to me, is the matchup where this game is won or lost. Well, actually, I, I agree with you on Piatti, but you know Piatti likes to go left. Uh, and you, you, have, you have to wonder, will he go after the rookie, Keegan Rosenberry, uh, who's doing a, is having a really good year for the Union. Uh, he's coming off an outstanding game against the Galaxy. Uh, and that's not going to be an easy – it's not going to be a cakewalk for Piatti. But the, I, I, I really think that matchup is, is going to be a fun one to watch. And, uh, and, and another matchup, Joshua Yarrow having to deal with Didier Drogba. I mean, having a, having a rookie deal with Drogba, whether it's Yarrow or Richie Marquez. But, I, I mean, I think, I think Yarrow is going to see plenty of Didier Drogba. Uh, and that's going to be – that's a tough matchup. For, that's a tough matchup for anybody, let alone for a rookie. So – uh, that's really where it's going to come down to. I, I like Montreal in this one. As much as I like the Union, they, they haven't been as solid at on the road. They're a young team. Montreal is, you know, they're a tough team. And you, even though Montreal results lately haven't been the best, their results at home haven't been the best la the, the last month or so. Uh, so maybe they're a little vulnerable. But I like Montreal in this one uh, in what should be a really, really tight matchup. Now, if the Union get a result here, they get a draw or if they get a win, I tell you, they just it's going to be I feel like it's going to be the snowball effect for that young team uh, to just keep gaining confidence. But I think Montreal is going to take care of business and win this one uh, in what should be a great game. Uh, and, and, and a game I'm sure a lot of people are going to be more interested in than anyone could have imagined when the year began. Columbus Crew versus Colorado Rapids. And if the, before the year began, I don't know, people would have been like, well, who cares about this game? Now there's so many subplots here. You have Columbus, uh, the first game since the Kai Kamara trade. And they're taking on a Colorado Rapids team that is on top of the league on a, on a six-game unbeaten streak. They've won five out of six. Uh, I, I, I can't call this one, man. I, I mean, you you think you think Colorado should come in. But, hey, Columbus has a lot to prove. You know how it usually goes. You know every player on that team wants to sh prove even more that they can win without Kai Kamara. Like, they, they, they know what it'll mean if they go and lose that game because the, the questions are going to start. Did they make a mistake? Should they have kept Kai Kamara? Should they have traded somebody else? So there's a lot of pressure on them in this game. What do you see happening? On I'm with I'm with you on that, man. I think everybody in Columbus wants to prove they are more than just a Kai Kamara-driven team. And I think Iguain is at the top of that list. Uh, I think Columbus is going to win this game. Look, Colorado's a good team. I think they're going to make it really tough. I think it's going to be um, you know, a game that's probably decided in the, in the second half. I think you know, Colorado is going to come out somewhat defensively and it's going to take some time to break that up. But I think Columbus wins this game and I think that they end up getting a couple goals, you know, maybe a 2 nothing result here. And I think Iguain scores at least one of them. 
And and I don't know what kind of maybe he'll do the the heart the hand of the heart celebration when he scores. <laughs> nice. How awesome would that be? Nice. I, I got an even better one for you. No offense to Colorado, but let's this is my this is my scenario playing out. Colorado uh, Columbus with a, with a big win. Colorado red card, uh, which breaks the game open for them. Oh Ola Kamara with a hat trick. And his third goal will come on a penalty that Iguain, <laughs> Federico Iguain hands him the ball. Kamara takes penalty, scores penalty, hat trick, four to four to one, Columbus, and and then and on top of it they'll do the hearts and hands that that just for the nice touch that that would be that would be pretty absurd. Okay, maybe that's probably not going to happen, but I agree with you. I think Columbus is going to win. I think because look, they're a better team than we've seen this season. That they, they, they than they've shown in most of the games this year. They still have all the pieces. Well, not anymore, but they still have every piece except Kamara that was so good last year. Ola Kamara is a, is a good player. Let's not let's not forget that now. I mean, we're not going to say he's Kai Kamara, but Ola, Ola Kamara is a good player. So we'll, we'll see how he plugs in there. And I agree with you, Federico Iguain. If you don't have him in your fantasy lineup, you're going to wish you did because I think he's going to have himself a monster, monster game in this one. Uh, and it's going to be must-see TV, man. Must-see TV. Uh, and on the other end of that, uh, that trade, New England, Chicago, your boys, the Chicago fire have to go to New England and deal with a pissed off Kai Kamara. Who's definitely going to have something to prove the rookie, Jonathan Campbell going to have his hands full in this one. Uh, what do you see? What, how do you see that one playing out? Yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? It's tough for the fire. I feel like they haven't caught a break all year with the teams they've played at the times they've played them. Um, but you know, it was already going to be a tough matchup for the fire on short rest, going from Vancouver all the way to new England, all the way across the country. And now you've got Kai Kamara to deal with as well. Um, now keep in mind, this is the second time that this back line will have faced Kai Kamara, Jonathan Campbell and Johan Kabalov did a really good job on Kai Kamara the first time around. Not only did he not score a goal, he had zero shots on goal. I believe it's the only time with Columbus that that happened. So they have experience in defending against this guy. I still think it's a, a really, really tough matchup overall, considering the circumstances, considering the flight that they had to take. I'm interested, too, to see what happens with the fire this week because David Akam is going to be back, whether he plays for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I don't know. But he'll be back at some point in the second half. And this new midfielder, Kali Chiam, I think is going to be a part of this team as well. So it'll be the first time you see him in the lineup. I don't know if he'll start or come off the bench. Um, but... I, I think New England is going to win this game. I think, you know, Kai will probably get a goal. The narrative will fit. It fits too perfectly. And usually when a narrative is going to fit perfectly, that's what happens. Uh, so that's that's where I think it goes. But um, I, I'm interested to watch the fire in this game just because I, I think that these new pieces coming back to the mix can change things up for them. It is a good point that they shut down Kamara before. But let's not forget that Kamara doesn't have Federico Iguain holding him back anymore. So it's a whole other thing now. Oh, is that what Iguain <laughs> was doing? <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Federico. Um, but no, but it's going to be a good one. This is going to be a good, good test for sure. And but that that and and you can't underestimate the travel factor in that. Uh, although, hey, Kai Kamara will be a little tired. I mean, he was flying to New England last night. It's a short. I know it's a short flight, but. He uh, he's been dealing with a lot in the last on the side, days. but but like you said, I mean, these are two games that we don't talk about in as much detail, if not for the drama that happened, right? No, you know, there's no real sexiness to the Columbus Colorado matchup outside the fact that Kamara is gone, and the same idea with Chicago New England. You know, there's no real sexy point of that matchup, but now Kamara is coming back in, so you know, this Kamara trade has has turned two 
um, kind of more mid-tier MLS games on a weekend into two games that are worth tuning in just to see what happens. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, heading up to Canada, Toronto FC continuing to show off their beautiful, uh, beautifully redone stadium, BMO Field. Uh, they'll be facing Canadian rival Vancouver uh, in what should be a good matchup. Uh, Vancouver's going to be, uh, they played the midweek game. They might come in a little tired against TFC. TFC coming off of that win last week to help kind of christen the new BMO field. Uh, this is a good test. And and, and one thing I'm, I'm interested to see in this game is Josie Altidore because now you have this growing chasm between people who are all the way down on Josie Altidore who think he's terrible and isn't doing anything. And then you have uh, the other side of people who, uh, like myself who actually think he's doing well even though he's not scoring. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? You see Altidore breaking through and kind of showing people that he still is the man? Yeah, that's exactly what I see. I think this is the game where Josie gets the first goal and the floodgates open. So I'm going to say he bags two. I think Vancouver, again, another team coming off of a midweek game, flying across the country uh, on short rest. Kudo obviously out you know, with a broken jaw. Um, I think that uh, it's going to be too much for them. So I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be a 3-1 Toronto FC win, two of those goals from Josie, and he's going to have some kind of really subdued Josie out the door type of celebration where it's no, like... No way, no way. He, trust me, man. He, I'll tell you right now. You know how players and coaches always say they don't read everything, anything. They don't listen to the media. They, they all do, and Josie definitely does. I know this. I've known the guy for a long time. He definitely knows that people are down on him. He definitely has heard and read and and felt that there's that segment of people that are on him. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say it's affecting his game because I think he's playing well. But I know. I guarantee you, if he scores in this game, he is going to do. He will let it be known that he has scored. He can't wait to score. And and even and it's not even just about uh, sh- uh, showing the people who are doubting him. Just as a forward. The building frustration and not scoring. When you finally score, you you're gonna go crazy, and I and he will definitely go crazy. And I think he will score, and TFC will win again, and and they they will continue to roll. Uh, I think they I think they're gonna be tough to stop uh, in the Eastern Conference uh, for, uh, going forward right now in their new home. Uh, next up, we have a matchup uh, that it, I it, I pegged it as the game you don't want to miss: FC Dallas Seattle Sounders. Uh, now. We know Seattle hasn't had the best start to the season. We know FC Dallas had a slump a little bit ago. But we, we also remember the playoff series they had last year and how great it was. We know about the star, the, the, the quality of attacking talent that both these teams have. Uh, I think this is going to be a barn burner, man. I think this is going to be a, a goal, I, you know, four or five goals, back and forth action. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game. How do you see playing out? And who do you see winning this one? I agree with you. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a wide open game. I think that there are going to be, you know, I don't know, 3-2, 4-3 maybe. And I think Dallas wins. And I think that this – okay, so this is a team who, like we said, just came out of a rut. They get a really good result against Portland in midweek. They're young. And all of the confidence is going to carry over. I, I just – I see this team pouncing on Seattle early – getting some goals, getting a nice lead, and Seattle fighting back late, but Dallas does enough to hold on. So that's my that's my prediction right there. Yeah. No, I, well, hey, oh, but here's my question. Does Jordan Morris score again? I mean, he's got four in a row, four games in a row. 
I think he's going to score one more. I think he's going to score another one. Um, I think it's going to be a tough game. Clint Dempsey is home back in Texas. He likes to play in Texas. I think he gets a goal, but I agree with you. FC Dallas, I'll go 3-2 FC Dallas. Uh, Maxi Arudi gets off the scoring rut. He's been a bit in a bit of a slump for them. I think he gets it rolling again, and FC Dallas gets a big win uh, to keep pace with or at least stay close to Colorado uh, up at the top of the Western Conference. Uh, and, uh, and up next, we have Sporting KC Orlando. Uh, there's not much to this match. I, 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 I can't think of any natural storylines now that uh, Aurelian Collin has moved on <laughs> and he's not there anymore in Orlando. The Dom Dwyer, man. Dom Dwyer. Eh, I guess. I mean. He's still in Orlando. Dom Dwyer is an Orlando player. It's so crazy. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, to be fair, though, to be fair, Dom still really feels the connection to Orlando, to the coaches there. So that's always a storyline to watch, to me, uh, in that matchup. And, of course, Servando Carrasco going back nah, to uh, Team come, come on. <laughs> the, the, Alex, the, the Alex Morgan's uh, husband's uh, former – well, not husband, but uh, boyfriend's former team's uh, Darby. Husband, definitely husband. Oh, are they I, – I can't keep – I don't keep track on, the, on, the, on the, marriage, the marriage front, but whatever. It's a Darby. It's the Alex Morgan's hubby's Darby. There you go. Uh, but, yeah, eh, you know, KC, man, what's going on with them? They're, they're, I, I, I thought they would take a step back this year, right? I and mean, we did our preview. I did think they would take a step back this year, but it, they're wobbling right now, man. They're wobbling. And uh, I, you know what? Peter Vermees, man, what is he? It, maybe he needs to shake things up there, uh, start looking at. Well, I mean, it's too late to make a trade now, but uh, at least until the summer. But uh, it's crazy to, to think about the run that they're on now. They've seven in a row without a win. They've lost five of those seven. Uh, I mean, when you watch that team, and maybe it's me, but I don't think they're as bad as that that rut suggests. But the rut is still there. So, I mean, do you see this as a team that's going to get figured out, or do you see this as a team that maybe they need to do something drastic? No, I I don't know. I I think Peter Vermees kind of already did right. He he didn't bring up some starters in the last game. He didn't play Beasler, and then when he was asked about it, he was like, "That's none of your business." <laughs> AKA I sat him for a reason. Hey, everyone, everyone, I want you to know I sat him for a reason, right? That's basically what that's saying without saying it. So, I mean, how much more drastic can you get? They've got issues, and, and they've, got, they've got to figure it out. And I think Peter Vermees is the type of coach where he's so blunt and honest with, with players, I would imagine, that there's no secret how he feels there. Clearly not, right? He didn't bring guys on a trip to an, an important game, a Western Conference game against Colorado, a rivalry game of sorts. And uh, he's got to get it turned around. And I think they're home for the next three games. I think they need at least, I would say at least six points, preferably seven to nine points out of that three-game swing just to kind of right the ship. Yeah, you know, I I think as – I don't know if I'd necessarily put too much stock into the the moves that he made for the midweek game. Just for the fact that, I mean, Peter Ramiz is a guy who's always kind of rotated guys. But then you also have the fact that they, they had to go to Colorado. And I think he knows if he had taken his full squad to Colorado, uh, playing at altitude, they would be dead for this Orlando game. So I think that's almost, you almost have to kind of pick your battles there and you say, okay, which one of these two games can we assure ourselves having more of a chance to win? And if you look at the two of them, you have the road game in Colorado, then you have the home game against Orlando. I'm going to go with the home game in Orlando, so I can understand. I, I, I think I can understand that. If Beasler sits for this game, then 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 maybe the conspiracy conspiracy theories can can, can kick in there. But, uh, 
I don't know what's going on with KC, man. I mean, I think it's the attack, right? The attack is uh, it's not producing what it needs to be producing. So uh, now that the window's closed, they didn't make a move. I thought maybe they'd make a move before the window was up, but they did not make the move. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I think they're gonna beat Orlando. Uh, nothing against Orlando. Orlando's a good team, but I just think KC at home. I think they're gonna take care of business uh, in that one and get a win that they definitely definitely need. Uh, real quick, last one before we forget. Actually, we have two more. Houston RSL. Before I forget, because I kind of skipped over it in our rundown. Houston RSL. There's reports of Owen Coyle having interest from Celtic, the Scottish club Celtic FC. Uh, supposedly asked for permission to speak to Owen Coyle. Now, Chris Kennedy, who's the head of the Houston Dynamo, has already shot down that rumor. Uh, so, I mean, who knows what's up with that? But what we do know is Houston uh, needs some points because it's not been a good year for them. Uh, but now they got to go up against an uh, RSL team that's been playing really well. You think Houston can win? You think Houston uh, can get some points here? Mm, just I feel like I feel like I bashed on them already, man. I don't want to go in again. Just say yes or no. Just say yes or no. No, no. <laughs> <Arsenal>. <laughs> It's all about RSL. It's all about RSL. RSL's coming off that loss to Colorado uh, in the Derby. I think they. I think they're they're gonna bounce back. I think they'll get a win, even though it's on the road. They should have. Jao Plata should be closer to health now. I mean, he wasn't really a hundred percent last game. It looked like he was holding back a bit. Um, I think RSL wins that one in Houston, and maybe Owen Cole should start entertaining offers from teams from overseas because things are not going well uh, for the former Bolton manager. Last but not least, Portland NYCFC. Another cross-country trip for an MLS team. NYCFC's got, they're on a little bit of a run now. They're, they're feeling good. They got a couple of wins in a row. Uh, but traveling all the way to Portland to face a Timbers team, it's got to be a little pissed off. They got to be a little, you know, they got two losses in a row. Uh, they only have one, one win in their last four. Uh, do you think NYCFC can actually go into Portland and get some points? I don't. I don't. But, again, every week I look at the MLS of our existence and I think maybe this is the game that goes against everything I thought. NYCFC has had a couple good results in a row. They're playing better soccer. They're, they're, they've been scoring goals. That's never been an issue. Uh, it's more the defensive side of things that are a problem, but that is why I think that Portland wins this game. I think that the defensive issues that NYCFC have um, are going to be exploited by what Portland does well. I, spe- I think especially in the counter. Matarita is one of my favorite players in the league. For numerous reasons, I'm flying my Tico flag like I always do. But when he gets flying forward, he does not come back. And they try to make up for it with the way they shift the midfield. But against this counterattacking Portland team, they're going to exploit that space all day long. And they're going to get a win through that space. No, I agree with you, man. I mean, Lucas Milano, uh, if, if Matarita doesn't watch himself, I mean, Milano could absolutely burn him. You have Milano, you have Valeri that all both operate up on that side of the field. And you can guarantee... Kiela Porter is looking at Matarita, and 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 as good as he's been, he's been one of the best left backs. Him and between him and Ashley Cole, you could argue one, one of them, or or they have been the two best left backs for me so far this season. But Matarita, like you said, has his has his flaws, and I think Portland's going to try to attack those, and that's going to be a great matchup to watch to see how that plays out. Uh, the Portland men, they they they've been struggling a bit just to generate chances uh, like they normally do. So this is the, definitely the game to see if they can do that, to see if they can generate chances that they haven't been the last couple of games. I think they will. I think they're going to get a win there, a very big win for them. Uh, and maybe NYCFC will be looking ahead to the NY, to the New York Derby. It's a week away, in case anyone hadn't looked that far ahead. We will have NYCFC against the Red Bulls a week from now at Yankee Stadium, which will be a packed Yankee Stadium. 
And I have a feeling now. I have a feeling NYC has an eye on that game. I think they do. So I'm gonna go Portland in a big win. Oh, that's enough MLS talk. We've definitely covered. I feel like every every aspect of MLS we could talk about for now. We have to talk a little NASL because they 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 made some news this week with uh, reports of a transfer of an NASL player within NASL. Richie Ryan, the midfielder for Jacksonville, was sold. Uh, to Miami FC for a reported seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar transfer. Now that doesn't that doesn't sound like much, like when you think about European type transfers, but in in American soccer circles, that's a lot of money, and it's pretty crazy to think about that kind of thing happening. But I mean, uh, obviously, obviously Miami has the money. Obviously, Miami realizes that they didn't build that good a team based on the results. It's pretty obvious to see that. But they're doubling down. They they realize, hey, we if we're gonna draw fans here, we need to build a good team. What did you think when you saw that 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 cash amount total for a player in an ASL? What did you think? I thought that it was a couple people whose experiences have been in Europe, and that they said the exact same thing you did. Seven fifty? That's no big deal. Let's do it. It's a huge deal in the ASL, and you know, I mean, technically, they just paid more for. They just paid more in this transaction than New England did to get Kai Kamara. Because the report was that New England paid $500,000 in cash for Kai Kamara. I guess there were other pieces to it. But Richie Ryan for $750,000 on this side of the Atlantic, that's crazy money. And I think it's it's not sustainable in the NASL. I don't think it's a great thing for the NASL. Uh, and I don't know if it'll be a great thing for Miami. I mean, he's going to help their team, but... Uh, you know, that's a lot of money to throw around in that league. And, and I don't know where you go from here if you're Miami. Well, that's the thing, right? I would love to have been in the room when Jacksonville got the phone call. Uh, and, and, and Miami's like, hey, we, we're interested in Richie Ryan. And you're and at that time, at that point, you're Jacksonville. You're probably like, yeah, no, nah, you know, we're th- you're thinking to yourself, you know, he's a really important part of, of our team. And then they throw out $750,000. And then you're like, okay, where do I sign? Because at that point, you're talking about you can take that kind of money and go to the rest of the league and buy who you want, right? I mean, you could get like three, two, three or four players with that money. Um, it's crazy to see. And I think it's uh, – you know what? I think at the end of the day, Miami's going to figure out pretty quickly that maybe they shouldn't have made that move because it's just crazy uh, financially to do that uh, because they're not generating that kind of money. And I get they need to invest to get – to start off on the right foot, but that's a very expensive uh, – admission of a poor job building your team because you know they they obviously put a lot of money into the team that they have and the fact that they still had to kind of have a do-over and go get a player like richie ryan um yeah that's i think it's a bad pretty it's pretty bad if you're jacksonville you're loving it even though you had to part with a guy who you who obviously was a big part of what you were doing this year but man that's that is a lot that's a lot of money especially for an asl um but you know what when you're at the bottom of the table and you're and you're those you know Maldini and Nesta and those guys and they know they know they don't want to be at the bottom of the table so they 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 whipped out the checkbook but like you said it's not sustainable uh, I don't know how much further they can go uh, spending that kind of money and 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 what I wonder is if you're an MLS team if you're an NASL team around the league and you're thinking to yourself uh, well you know if they're paying that kind of money <laughs> uh, how how much will you give us for for this player X player Y you know what I mean or even MLS teams. If you're an MLS team, were, were you were you calling Miami and like, hey, if you need something? Yeah, no doubt you I are. Mean, if you're an MLS GM, look down your bench and you're like, all I, right, I, I'm gonna. I, hey, absolutely, man. You you know whether it's a sale, 
whether it's a loan. I mean, I, I don't know, man. If they if they're if they're splashing the cash like that, I mean, it's absolutely part of the job to go down there and try to get some of that. So, uh, I don't know, man. Crazy times in the ASL. So, and who who would have thought that the Cosmos would not be the first team to to make that kind of move? I mean, I, I mean, I I know I know the Cosmos have they've gone and taken top players from other teams, but it's never been that kind of money thrown around by. And you figure if anyone would have done that, it would have been them. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. They they've always been the team that that kind of sets the standard of spending in uh, in the NASL. Right, right. And and just to wrap up real quick with NASL, give them give them a little love in terms of the what's going on there. The Cosmos are back in first place. Uh, the the Railhawks started off hot. They've stumbled a bit lately. Uh, so right now you have the Cosmos in first, Railhawks in second, uh, Minnesota United in third on ten points. It's still early. Indy Eleven with a better season this year. They're in, in fourth place with nine points. So uh, uh, just to give you an idea. And yes, Miami FC is in last place with two points from six, ma six matches. In case you were wondering why they went out and threw out three quarters of a million dollars for an NASL midfielder. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how uh, how Richie Ryan does in Miami. Apparently, Richie Ryan also got a nice pay bump added a deal. So if you're if you're Richie Ryan and you go from, you know, being being in Jacksonville, no offense to Jacksonville, but being in Jacksonville to getting a huge pay bump to go live in Miami, I think it's pretty happy right now. I don't know. But uh, real quick, to give you a rundown of the schedule for NASL this weekend, Fort Lauderdale takes on Indy 11 on Saturday. That game's on ESPN3. Uh, Goal TV has Carolina Railhawks Miami FC. Now we get to see Richie Ryan, see what he does. Tampa Bay Rowdies and Joe Cole taking on Ryo OKC. And then you have, last but not least, Minnesota United taking on Jacksonville Armada the, the you're gonna see Tony Miola showing up with like a fur coat and uh <laughs> and, and some gold chains on after the money that they got for Richie Ryan so that that should be a good one that's actually should be a good matchup uh just to give you a little NASL rundown and uh let's wrap things up here we got a little the European season's winding down it's we're down to the final weekend uh some great matchups you have in Spain Barcelona Real Madrid still coming down to the wire for the title Barcelona only has to win and they lock up the title uh, and in England, in England, it's a little anticlimactic because uh, the champions have been has already been decided. Leicester City, uh, the relegation spots have been decided, and Sunderland is not being relegated. They got the big win against Everton at, uh, on Wednesday to secure their place uh, in the Premier League, and that's huge for them. And, and big job, big congrats to Sam Allardyce and DeAndre Yedlin. Think about that loan move, right? People at the time when he first went to Sunderland, a lot of people were ripping on that move. I personally thought it was good. I liked the move. But he, I'll tell you what, he made the most of that move. He made himself a starter it, uh, down uh, down the stretch in some really important games for them. He was a key starter for them. Uh, and that's great experience for him. He, I don't think he'll go back to Tottenham. I'm pretty sure Tottenham's going to sell him this summer. But that's great experience for him, especially going into Copa America, where if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, I need to put DeAndre Yellen as my starting right back. I don't know if, if Klinsmann's ready to do it yet, but he should. I mean, if, the, if Yellen can start it right back in the Premier League and hold his own, he should be your right back. We'll see if that happens, but you know what? You never know what Jurgen Klinsmann. Last but not least, Man United and Man City battling it out for fourth place. And it's crazy to think if Man United finishes in fourth place, they go to the Champions League. They knock City out of the Champions League. Pep Guardiola, no Champions League for him next year. And it probably helps Man United get Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Jose Mourinho. Oh, actually, no. If they get fourth place, then Jose Mourinho is not, you know what? You keep Louis van Hall, but maybe you get yourself Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So that's still a pretty enticing battle 
there's so much on the line there. I think City City should hold on. It'll take a lot for United to jump leapfrog them. They missed their chance this weekend uh, against West Ham, but uh, it still it still should make for a fun Sunday watching the action in England. What do you what do you see happening in England? Yeah, I think I mean at least there's something worth watching on the last weekend, right? There's got to be <laughs> yeah. at least some kind of battle that you want to see play out. No, I mean I think I think it's crazy that how you know at some point somewhere along the line. You know, you get a narrative that or some kind of rivalry or something that comes together perfectly, you know, like the championship last weekend where, you know, the two teams are playing in the last week of the regular season also are fighting for that last spot for automatic promotion. Um, I think I think, you know what I think is going to happen. I think Manchester City is going to going to win and they're going to get the Champions League spot. And Manchester United is going to have a lot of questions that they have to answer going into next year, um, a new manager, and they're going to have to go find some players to add to this team. And I'm interested to see what happens because yeah, the Ebra thing probably depends on whether or not they're in the champions league. So if you don't get Ebra, where do you go after that? Uh, and I think it, it leads to a lot of further freakouts from Manchester United fans around the world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. And if you're man city and you can keep man United out of the champions league, how happy are you going to be about that? Uh, I can't imagine a Champions League without Zlatan, but I also can't imagine a Champions League without about uh, without Pep Guardiola. So I don't know. I, I I don't have a I don't have a dog in that fight, but uh, uh, I, I think I agree. I think City's gonna get it. I think City's gonna uh, take care of business and, and keep Man United out. Louis Van Hall will be unemployed. I think by by Tuesday. I think that's gonna happen. So I think that's it. I think that think that wraps up everything that we talked about. Have we missed anything? Uh, what what uh what, what what do you got? What do you got going on this weekend? By the way. No, I mean I'm I'm gonna be sitting in front of my TV watching soccer all weekend. That's what I got. I'm do, actually I'm doing a little charity work in Chicago. I'm gonna give myself a little pat on the back for that. Um, you know, a bunch of my friends are involved in a charity, and so I'm gonna be doing that Saturday morning and uh, and then watching soccer all day Saturday, all day Sunday, working, and then uh, I'm off to Miami next week for national team camp. Nice, nice, lucky guy, lucky guy. See, I, I was I was I was thinking that going to Miami. Uh, I would like to have gone to Miami, but there's so many trips to go on. Uh, I'll be I'll be with the U.S. from their Bolivia friendly all the way to the end of the of the, of the Copa America. Uh, I, t- I, I I think I said this to you before. If I was about ten years younger, I would have gone to Miami just to go to Miami. I wouldn't have even cared if Gold.com didn't want to send me. I just would have gone to Miami. But uh, but I'm old now, so I I don't I don't I don't uh I don't go on as many trips as I used to. But uh. But yeah, it's a crazy week. I'll be like you. I, I I'll be uh, I'll be hanging out a little bit, recovering from a crazy week, and and trying to lick my wounds after what was a rough Wednesday for me. Uh, I I did report, and I have to own up to it. I reported Kai Kamar going to Vancouver. I got bad information. It happens once in a while. As you know, the more the more you deal in in, in sources and information, you, once in a while you're gonna get some bad info, and I got some bad info. And it's worth. There's few worse things as a reporter than when you do get burned like that. But you know what? It comes with the job. When you when you chase when you try to chase a lot of stuff, once in a while you're gonna get some bad info. And I, I'll, I'll I apologize to anyone who was fooled by that. And I apologize if any of you burned your Kai Kamara. I guess you had to burn it anyway. But if you're a Vancouver fan and you thought Kai Kamara was coming, and, and I got your hopes up, I apologize for that. My bad. I think anytime you report something, you always. Um, are hopeful that the people that you're talking to are um, trustworthy, that are giving you the right information, and you're dependent on that. You're dependent on those relationships, and it's not a fun place to be sometimes because, you know, you're out there and you're the one whose name's on it. So, um, you know, it hasn't happened to me yet, but that I'm, you know, 
I'm jinxing you. I'm a few, yeah, exactly trying to, man. I'm over here knocking, <laughs> on, knocking on wood right now, you know. But, um, no, I think I think you handled it well. You owned up to it on Wednesday night and talking about it again today. And I think you've proven across the course of your career that um, you're someone that people know you can trust and uh, they, they're still going to go to you for news, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's been 18 years, man. And I can, I can, I remember, there's been, a, I can think of maybe three or four in the 18 years where it was just like, man, what the hell? And uh, and yeah, it's never good. It's never good. I mean, I can think of one. I won't even get into specific. But I, one of the instances was a case of a team actually floating out, intentionally floating out bad info. And I came to find later on what the what the deal was with that. And it was like, man, it's getting it's getting crazy out here. And teams start floating out bad, uh, you know, completely fake info. Uh, but yeah, it's the stuff you deal with. Uh, you know, you just try to be diligent with it and uh, just trying to keep everybody informed and. In the information age, it's even more and more. But the good thing is, there's always the next story. There's always the next thing to talk about. So I'll just keep it moving, and uh, and hopefully give, keep giving people uh, what they want to read. So, uh, but yeah, that's it, man. I think uh, I think we're I think we're done. And uh, when it, you, so when you're in Miami for a week, right? Yeah, Tuesday to Friday. Nice. So anyone, if you're in Miami and you see Paul Tenorio, make sure you say hello. I, I, I'm sure he'll be rocking his Guayabera. And his sunglasses, <laughs> looking all cool. Hit me to hit me on Twitter with your Cuban restaurant recommendations, the uh, places I should hit. You know, I got a buddy who lives down there, so I'm sure he'll take me to a couple uh, spots. Versailles, uh, Versailles, man, Versailles, is a good spot. I mean, I, I like Versailles. Maybe it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I, I, I've never had a bad, bad meal at Versailles, so I would recommend that place. So there you go. Um, Boom! So I'll yeah. hit it up. Nice. All right. Well, that's it. That's it. That's it for now. We'll be back on. Uh, we'll be back with a show on Monday to catch everybody up and also to preview the upcoming U.S. national team camp. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. If you have any questions, definitely leave them in the comments section. If you haven't given us a review on iTunes, please, please do so. Let us know uh, how you like the new format, what you think of the show, what you'd like to hear more of. Uh, I definitely want to try to incorporate guests going forward. We'll try to work on that. Um, but, yeah, we keep it going. We'll keep, we'll keep trying to uh, progress the show along. Uh, but that's it. That's all for now. For Paul Tenorio, I'm Ivan Scalarset. This is the SBI Show. Thank you.